Welcome to Rooted Within with Lily and Dan, a podcast that shines a spotlight on positive change makers, sharing their stories of legacy, inspiration, and impact. Each episode, Lily and Dan will speak to individuals who have made their dreams a reality, exploring their journeys, mindset shifts, and what motivated them. Join us as we explore the lives of those who are making a difference and let their stories inspire you to achieve your own goals. When he's upset, I feel it. Yes. You know, I, I don't I don't feel like I'm giving him empathy or that I'm sympathetic. You're actually I literally feel upset when he's wow. upset, you know. That's your connection. And then one day he came home and I just lost my shit. And I was like, dude, if this was you, I would have dragged your ass to the doctors ages ago. And I felt disconnected. I would feel kind of surreal, like I was watching my life. I was doing all the things I needed to do, but I wasn't feeling that I was living in it. And I wasn't experiencing the joy that I should have been experiencing. To normalise these conversations, because that's all it is, you know, is normalising it and that it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be the the dark, dark, massively depressed. It's just about navigating a wee change in your life. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. I'm excited. I thought I'd start it differently. <laughs> I mean, that, just, <laughs> that, threw you that off, really didn't threw it? me off because I wasn't sure. What, I thought we were like kind of like just having a general chit chat before we jumped into the episode. No, no, Suddenly, I, I thought I'd try something different. Another exciting episode. Another incredibly exciting episode, and I can see that we're going to be going in so many different directions. Yeah, there's a lot to awesome. lots to go into this one. So, who do we got today? We have Nikki Steele Osborne in our studio. Welcome. Well done, thank you. Did it right, didn't Yay. I, know, I kept saying Nikki Osborne and Steele. I was like, oh. I was just going back to like default of getting people's names incorrectly. Lily no, always it, throws me under, I know. under the pump. It's, it's unfair, isn't it? But, you know, it works. Uh, it works. Nikki, so good to have you in the studio. Thank you for having me. I'm actually really proud of myself for getting here. I know that we said the parking would be dodgy, uh, but holy. Oh, it's oh, a park is really dodgy I've actually here. left my car down at a wee mall somewhere. Yeah. Wow, I don't even know where a mall is around here. Pavilion. I think the pavilion. Ah, pavilion. Yes, I get it. I get it. Yeah, and then walk. No, I got a taxi. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it like a million you know, degrees outside. Six <laughs> oh, anyway, we digress. <laughs> Welcome to our studio. Thank you. We had a great conversation me. on the phone a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we did. And um, you were talking about something that's quite relevant. We've had a, a couple of guests now which have been talking about um, motherhood and life and children and that whole journey. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about postnatal depression, but yeah. you've looked at redefining postnatal depression. Yeah, I'm trying. Um, so I'm going to throw that over to you so you can kickstart yeah. and give us a, yeah. a bit of an update. Trying to redefine it. I think when you start talking about like postpartum or maternal mental health, people kind of shut down, right? Mm. And it's, you know, it's still got a barrier there. So it's redefining it and, and letting people understand that even though I dive right into it, it's, it's not always so dark and depressing. There's actually a hope. But it sounds so dark and depressing when you say postnatal depression. people are resistant to talking Mm. about it because they think that. But what I'm trying to say is, yeah, but I can help. Mm. And I now understand a lot of stuff and I've experienced things so you don't have to. Mm. So I can share some nuggets. And sometimes it's the most simple things, right? Well, first of all, you've reframed it. Yeah. What do you call it? I call it maternal mental health. I really like that. Yeah, Um, because it seems a bit more inclusive of the entire journey yeah. rather than that kind of post post giving birth element. Yeah, and it's, to me then, it's talking about from being pregnant, you know, from the early days when you're expecting and then managing expectations mm. of how this is going to play out for you. 
because I think that's a massive chunk of it. You but know? you also put it very positively. Like as soon yeah. as you call it, you know, maternity mental health. Yeah. It's a it's a positive space. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not a dark space. It's yeah. not a negative. You're not a failure. This is a process. You take away yeah. the word depression instantly, uh, which changes instantly. everything. Instantly. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. And depression and anxiety, you know, I think we're getting there. I feel like we've got more kind of light on it and and wellness and but I think there's also a flip side to that, that because mm. we've got so much going on now, so many resources and so much information out there, that in itself is actually a bit overwhelming. Yeah. Like if you're in a dark space and you're like, okay, what do I do? Google. I'm depressed. You know, or go on Instagram and it's you're just bombarded with potential, you know, resources. I usually use the term simple, sustainable self-care because I want okay. people to understand that it's not. And I think as well, this industry has got a lot of... Um, high-end tickets and massive accountability. And for me, if you're in a space where brushing your teeth is too much, you're not accountable to sign up to a 12-week programme and yeah. pay thousands of bucks, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I keep it simple, affordable, accessible. That is the premise of it. Okay. We're going to get to all of that very shortly, but um, I'm going to jump on... Lily, Lily's normally like, let's take it back. Let's take so it I'm, back. I'm, 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 <laughs> We've become like your, very in sync. That could be yeah, your yeah. thing. My, That's my, your little tagline. <laughs> but no, like, literally, let's take it back. Let's take it back. You also threw in earlier, as we were discussing, like, you're, you're a hairdresser by trade, or you I were was, a hairdresser. I was a hairdresser for a long time. Um, and there's a very thick Scottish accent there as well, so you're clearly from, yes, from Scotland. Yes. I've been out of Scotland for 16 years now. Wow. But still so Scotland came with you. <laughs> I did. Yeah. If you add wine or anything else, it gets worse. <laughs> trust me. Or if I'm with my own, you know, like family, then it obviously gets thicker. It's very true when I hang around like mank, mank people or scousers. It does it's come like, out. Just, right? like, what the hell? You start using words that you wouldn't even use when you're at home, but yeah. just because you can, you've got this free space. But yeah, I've been out 16 years. I did seven in Jakarta, Indonesia. Wow. Had a salon I love that there. City. It's Bonkers, it's but it's actually brilliant. mental. Mm. It's that brilliant. was it because on the call we were talking about. I used to I stayed in Mega Cunningham. That's I, right. I lived yeah, there for a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was you, down in Kamang. Yeah. Um, so what took you there? So I was going to New Zealand, as you do. I was what was I then? I was like thirty. So it was mm. the old story, right? My ex and I had split, and it was like, okay, is this my window of opportunity? And I wasn't a big traveler. We were talking mm. earlier. You love traveling. I wasn't. I'm a homebird. Okay. Okay. Um, and then you pick New Zealand, like one the, of the, the furthest parts away from Scotland. <laughs> but I think it's because it was really windswept and interesting to do mm. that. But they also spoke English, mm. culture-wise, yeah. we were the same. Well, so there is a whole like Australia a before New Zealand, you right. know. There's like a big, massive <laughs> we, just, we just fly over that. Well, yeah, you know. But, but it was. It was like almost like a safety net. It was mm. far and it was something wild for me. From a landscape point of view, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of similarities. Yeah, it's beautiful. Very much. But my dad had just moved. He was in Dubai. He had just moved to Jakarta. Mm. And he was like, okay, come and hang out and then go from here. So I had maybe eight weeks just lying by the pool, drinking milkshakes, going out partying. Left there, went to New Zealand, and it was winter there. So it was absolutely freezing. freezing. I stayed with two friends. I had two friends there. So they were awesome. They gave me their spare room. It's kind of cold in Scotland. Aye, it was Baltic. Because Scotland's it was like cold. The wall, but the wall was like cold. damp. Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? I was going to bed with a hat on, so I phoned Dad and I'm like, I'm really cold and I don't think this is where I want to be. And I was going through this whole, I don't know what I want to do with my yeah. life. And So were you moving to New Zealand or were you I was you going just to do time? six months. Okay. That was the big plan. I was going to do six months and I was going to go home. And some of my mates in Scotland didn't come to my leaving party because they were like, she'll be back in a fortnight. Yeah. <laughs> so... Went back to Jakarta and was really like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. 
So I just hung out and partied for a while at dad's expense. Thanks, dad. And then he came home from golf one day and went, right, I've got an investor. Do you want to open my shop? And I was like, okay. So we opened the salon and we had a two-story salon for the next seven years. Wow. Um, but were you so in the... Were you, were you in the hairdresser before then? Yeah. Were you? Oh my yeah. God, we're asking the same question. Oh, no, this is ridiculous. You're just you're asking them each other. You start doing this like telepathic. Yeah. It's uh, freaky. We're, we're in sync now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was a hairdresser. So I had been doing like bits in people's houses and stuff, but that's no fun. I don't like yeah. doing the mobile thing. So that's why we set up the salon. And your and dad was, was also? No, he's no. oil and gas. He was just money. He just put the money to it. Yeah. And I think it was just to give me something Bless him. He wanted to invest. Give me something to do. I guess and to help and support and he stopped me plus partying. you get off, off the couch and stop him paying for everything stop me partying um, so yeah seven years I had the business there and it was during that time I met my husband right I met him four years in stays another three and then we left and went to Tivat Montenegro oh what made you do that Quite different. Yeah. So I think because we got engaged and started talking about starting a family we were like okay there's nowhere to push like a buggy in mm. Jakarta, I mean, you know. Like, yeah, I well, mean, there's there no is. Pavement. You might just lose the child in the uh, crowd. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be away in the back here. Scooter or a magi. <laughs> True story, um, actually. Aye. Uh, so we were like, okay, case. we need to relocate. And we looked at the States because he's American. Mm-hmm. Okay. But visa stuff still wasn't happening. So we found ourselves sitting in Scotland. We'd had our wedding. <laughs> we were like, what do we do now? And he got an interview for a job. And he said, I've got an interview for a job in Montenegro. And I was like, brilliant. Where's that? And he said, it's just across from Italy. So I was like, well, let's do it. Yeah. So we did. We For someone years. who doesn't, wasn't really into travelling and not much I of know, a traveller, right? you've done a lot. Yeah, and you, you stayed away from Scotland for a while then. <laughs> I know, and you know, then I've been here for three years. Yeah. Wow. All right, so Montenegro. Montenegro's beautiful. It's oh, on my list, it's on my I list. I loved it. But again, like, your th- you know, your circumstances change, right? Mm. When it was just the two of us, it was fine. And there were things that didn't really come into our peripheral until we had our son. So things like the healthcare, mm. you know, it wasn't massively accessible. The closest hospital, if if you needed emergency help, is like a two-hour drive. Mm. So and your first child was in Montenegro. So I ha- had him in Scotland, got you. Um, and then we came back to Montenegro. But it was like, okay, I've got a wee boy. You know, if he's a tree climber, he's going to break stuff, mm. and I've got to drive two hours to hospital. Yeah. So things like that started coming into play. Um, and we had been there six years. You know, it was like, okay, it's time for a shift again. And we both always said we wouldn't come to Dubai. I mm. knew Dubai through my dad being here. None of us were drawn to it. Mm. But it was in the middle of the pandemic as well. Got you. So we were kind of going, do you know what? This is maybe an opportunity that's came up. We need to take and see how it goes. Mm. You know. So we've been here three years now. We're doing oh. another year yeah. at least. So, so yeah. in the middle of all of this, yeah. you had a baby in Montenegro, in a place where the closest hospital was two hours away yeah. and you were experiencing. And I had postpartum. So I, I think I knew when I had him in Scotland that it was it was coming to kick my butt. But how how, it, how long were you in Scotland before? So we I flew back when I was, I think I had maybe three or four weeks to go before he was due. Um, towards the end of the pregnancy. Towards the end, yeah. And then I was... 
they kept bringing the date forward. They mm. induced me because I had gestational diabetes. Okay. But I think that was my own fault because I kept eating Mr. Kipling. <laughs> I think I gave myself diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> Still have it now or is it temporary thing? No, it's only when you're It's temporary, right? Got you, okay. But when you deliver the baby, you then have to get tested and they test the baby too. So it can be dangerous. Like okay. I'm laughing, but it can be detrimental. So, and because of my age, I was 41. So they were looking at these different aspects and they were like, okay, we're going to induce you. So I was induced and then ended up having a section. I was in labour all night and nothing was happening. So I had a section, but we were cool. We were all right. You know, there was nothing. I mean, it wasn't the best night I've ever had, you know, but I wouldn't have said that it was a traumatic experience. I was at home. I was surrounded. My family were there. Mm. You know, the nurses and the staff at the hospital were great. So nothing traumatic. And when... When he was born, there was, you know, that feeling of we weren't in our own house. Yeah. We were in a, you know, a temporary accommodation. Kevin had to return to Montenegro for work. So all my kind of crying and emotion, we were putting down to that. It was circumstantial. And once we got back to being together, we would be okay. Because how were you feeling at that time? You would cry for any reason? I mean, I'm a crier anyway. Like, I cry most days. Like, I'm quite an emotional person. But this was, like, on another level. It was just, you just couldn't stop these tears. And then I think the thought process, I think expectation, I I think when you sit down and work a lot of things out now, expectation is always something that you need to talk about, whatever the circumstances are. expectation on yourself? Yeah, Yeah. you know, whatever the situation is, you can always bring it back Mm. to an expectation perhaps not being met. Postpartum wasn't the first time that I'd experienced feeling depressed or feeling anxious. I think a lot of people will have it at different times in their lives. I had had medication for that before when I was in my 20s. That was a very different period back then as well. Mental health wasn't really discussed properly. And and it was very much a, you're not feeling great, okay, it's kicking on. Now, there's some pills, off you pop, you'll be grand. Take the pills, you'll be all right. And And I've got... Massive opinions about how long is this podcast? How long <laughs> have we got? Because no, no, no. we're not getting oh, one. It's, it's, it's all right. <laughs> you got about 45 we, minutes. We, we, get, we, get, we, get a sig- we get a signal, it's fine. And then we ignore them and keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah, when they start like turning the lights but on. You were, yeah. the your, your tone completely changed when you started talking about that. Like it just sort of dropped. Was it? Yeah. It's, it's heavy. It is heavy. I think it's, um, and I think that's the thing, like our mental and physical mm. are attached. So I love that you've actually identified that because it is. When you talk about a depression or something that's dark or troublesome or upsetting, like our bodies mm, change, right? Yeah. And that's why a lot of, when we're talking about exercising, that's why. Because mm. it is all interlinked, it, but yeah. people have it as a separate entity yeah. and it's not a separate entity. So yeah, you know, it was... But so one that we had a, 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 another guest who said just simply going from having a natural birth to having to have a section, that on its own had a, a, a sort of negative impact on, on oh, them. No, and, you yeah. know, you're, you're, not, you're not a proper mother if you didn't give birth yeah. naturally and all that. Did, did that come into it for you at all? Do you know or what? It you really okay? did. And I was okay with that. And I, and I do fully appreciate for a lot yeah. of people. And again, this is expectation. Mm. Their expectation of their birth yeah. journey, they have... They have a full book. Yeah. I, <laughs> of how it should be going. I do remember, like, <laughs> you know, and I had said from the get-go, look, I am putting myself in the hands of the nurses and the staff. You know, I've done it for 40-odd years, mm. so I'm good to take their guidance. Given the, the preference, I would have liked to have given birth in water. 
I like mm-hmm. the idea of that. Maybe mm. it's my star sign or something. Like the idea of it. But really, I was in their hands. But I do remember when I was in labour and I went into the labour wards and I was sitting on one of the big yoga balls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And I was having a wiggle and I was like, okay. And I had London Grammar playing because I had needed my tunes, mm-hmm. I needed music. And I had a bottle of this lavender stuff that the lady in Montenegro used to use, my beautician that did my facials and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there with my London grammar and I'm sniffing my lavender <laughs> and I'm looking at Kevin, my husband, and I'm like, I've totally got this. I've got this, babe. He's like, good. I'm all over it. <laughs> but fast forward, I had nothing. Right? I, I didn't have anything. Not even began at that point, really. Seriously. Ended up getting, um, the nurse was like, you know, I think you're struggling a wee bit. Do you want something? And I was like, what have you got? <laughs> she went, I've got diamorphine. I was like, okay, that's fine. Had the diamorphine and just went into this, like, like back in the rave days, I guess, because I was like, this is brilliant. I feel so much better. And I'm going to Kevin, you should have some of this. because <laughs> This is amazing. And the nurse is like, yeah, no, he can't get this. Yeah. And you're Stop not getting any more. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a full night, a full shift in labour. And as I say, the nurse came round or the midwife came round in the morning and she said, you know, what do you want to do? You're one centimetre dilated. That's it. That's it. And you need to be normally, what, 10? 10. 10? Ten? Okay. I, there was none was coming out. And, yeah. and to get epidural, you've got to be, what, at least six? Um, I don't even know. I don't know either. I've never given birth. Um, <laughs> we'll just make it up. We'll make it up. <laughs> but basically, you, 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 gotta be you have somewhere. to get, you've yes. got to be somewhere a lot yeah. further. And to get to that point is a lot of pain. Yeah. Right. Like women are phenomenal. Oh, machines. Absolute machines. But she said, you know, I think we should section. And I went, no, that's okay, you know. And he came out. And, and you're comfortable with that decision? Aye, aye. My yeah. first words, I still remember saying he's perfect. Oh, that was my yeah. first words. So how did you feel at that moment when you saw, saw your child for the first time? Just amazing. I waited a long time. And I think that was the thing. Like the previous episodes of anxiety or depression, I actually thought that getting pregnant, that was my answer. Because mm. I had been maternal for so long that I thought, I just need to have a wee baby. I just need to be in that space where I've got a wee family. That was like in my values. That was really important to me. And it wasn't being met. And it wasn't happening. So I kept thinking, that's why I have these dips. I'm just not living, you know, the life that I want. Mm. So when I got pregnant, it was like, ah, this is okay, it now. now we're winning. Yeah. Now we've got it. Oh, geez. You know? and, then you, and then you got postnatal. But, but, but I, I was... think because I had it so built up. You know, I had this expectation of how it was going to be that, of course, it, it, the reality is totally different. But I want to dig a little bit go, deeper go. into the, the experience because like, yeah. you see your child for the first time. Obviously, you've gone through a difficult labour, but you're really excited to see the child. Yeah, yeah. Everything feels perfect. Yep. At what point does it start to not feel mm. as perfect? Maybe that night. Because after he was delivered, I remember like being in the, the ward and the nurses come in and, you got your toast and tea and I got a custard cream because I was all right with the diabetes stuff now. So, And the nurse said, right, Nikki, I'll come back and I'll give you a wash down. And I went, can I not just have a shower? And she went, I don't know, can you stand? Because obviously we're a section you're yeah, in, you know, right? Yeah. And I did, I stood up and Kevin helped and I went and had a shower. So I was like, we're doing okay. Yeah. And then that night, Archie was needing fed and this was probably where I did, if I had any critique about the staff at the hospital, they were quite forceful when it came to breastfeeding. 
I've heard and about that, this. I found that quite disturbing because I had always said I wanted to express my milk so that Kevin could give him the bottle. That mm. was our decision. But they were pretty pushy mm. about trying to get him. So I tried it. I was trying to breastfeed, but he was upset. And it's when people say, you know, when you have a kid, it's like your heart walking about outside your body. I guess that's one of the only ways you can describe it. So when, even now, he's nearly yeah. six. It's actually a beautiful way of describing it. You know, but when he's upset, I feel it. Yes. You know, I, I don't I don't feel like I'm giving him empathy or that I'm sympathetic. You're actually I literally feel upset when he's wow. upset, you know. That's your connection. It's... So your child was upset at the time because he couldn't so he, take the milk. He was, yeah, so he was needing fed, basically. Yeah, hungry <laughs> and kids were consuming And lots. I was so aware because I was in, by this point, in a ward with another, like, maybe five mums and their new babies. So because he was screaming, I was so aware of upsetting mm. them. You know, people please are that I was. I wasn't thinking about me. I was thinking about them and getting myself really stressed and worked up and worked up. And then because I couldn't settle them, I remember one of the nurses coming and just the position that she put him in, he calmed down. So what that did was that fed that voice in my head. See, you're no good like at this. You don't know what yeah. you're doing then. You're no good yeah. at this. And what you're going to do, you've had him now, you can't yeah. send him back. Because you've, you've That had... was that inner voice and that's the kind of cusp. I think that's the, the part of a lot of it over the years. I now understand it. I didn't yeah. understand it in my 20s mm. that I had an inner voice that I was believing you know, yeah, that, that saboteur, yeah. that Aye. saboteur Aye. voice, they're bit. very... And also the, the, overthinking. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. But when we don't know, we don't know, right? Yeah. And this is the thing, without having that, you know, and there were life coaches and stuff, mm. but I was always like, it's airy-fairy, it's not my jam, you know? And it's not airy-fairy, it's actually science. It's not, and yeah. it's, we know now, you know? Mm. And when you start delving into that world and educating yourself and understanding yourself better, it's... Pretty mind It's got some fundamental... It's wild. Mm. What was the continuation of the journey? So you've had difficult birth, difficulty breastfeeding, yeah. screaming child overnight, so you're concerned about other people. Yeah. And then... How'd you go to sleep that yeah, night? Yeah, and how, I don't even what remember happened? if I did sleep. I remember them coming in and saying, because when I was in, going into labour, they gave us a private room mm. so that Kevin could stay with me because mm-hmm. we didn't have a house there, right? Mm. So... Okay. On the circumstances, they were like, no, you can have that. So the nurse came in and she went, would you like a private room again? I was like, yes, please. So they put me back in and I got my shampoo out and got all set up. You're like, I got this again. Uh, yeah, and I was like, okay, okay, we'll be all right. Lavender. And you do, you know, you have to expect that emotion as well when you deliver, right? When mm. when you deliver a baby, nobody talks about the baby pinks. Right? They talk about the baby blues and... And what's a baby's pink? So the baby pinks are when you first deliver and it's actually like a euphoric state. Okay. Some people get really kind of hyper because you've got your baby and, you know... Makes sense. But that's got well, to... for every high... It's a massive crash. It's got to come down, right? And baby blues are because your hormone levels that were elevated during pregnancy after delivery have dropped. You know, so, and you've went through a physical, I mean, it is, like you said earlier, women are amazing, and they are. Yeah. Like, mm. to deliver a kid is no mean feat, you know. It's, Mm-mm. you've made a person, you've grew organs and yeah. eyeballs and stuff. Huge. But with those kind of peaks and troughs in emotion and hormone levels, so were they consistent? It. Like, did that happen a lot? No, it was, um, I feel like the early days, there was a lot, it, it was very up and down, because there was a lot of tears, but there was that elation that he was here. And, yeah. You know, when when he came out, they had nicked him here because I didn't realise that when the midwives are 
doing a cesarean section, they can't actually see because they're working through these layers. So many layers. Right, so they caught him. It was the tiniest little cut and he was fine. But I guess coming from the UK, and the UK is a massive, like, claim culture. Mm, Everybody yeah. wants to put in a claim to get a monetary, mm. you know. So this midwife came, I don't know, two or three times to me and she was like, I am so, so sorry. And I said, he is perfect. He's yeah. fine. You've put a wee stitch. He's absolutely fine. Please don't worry about it. Yeah. You brought me my boy. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's healthy, safe. I'm healthy, I'm safe. Like, it's fine. So you had these kind of ups and downs. You know, my family were all there. We were all excited. I'd finally had this wee person. You know, and then you're not sleeping. When did you go home? How long were you in the hospital? I stayed for? in hospital for another kind of two or three days. Okay. I was reluctant to go because I wanted to make sure that, you know, he was feeding. You're afraid of yeah. leaving? Yeah. Because yeah. a, lot, a lot of times, new parents don't want to go home. Because it's like, you kind of move in. Yeah, and like, also because I guess like you're on your own. When you, yeah. when you move away from the hospital environment, like yeah. it's your That's responsibility it, yeah. now. You're like, like this is real. Break this baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And did you feel that? little bit yeah because you've never done it before like mm. even when you've had children in the family or whatever that it's completely different to having your own yeah. you know once it's your own wee person then it just changes everything like the trajectory of your life changes like that mm. the minute that wee person arrives you know you start thinking about your mortality you start like when I think about my behaviors in my younger years I was a wild bugger mm. <laughs> It's maybe a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then when you have this wee person, and I remember my sister saying that yeah. when she had my nieces, you know, that your mortality comes into play mm. more. You start of thinking course. about that. So you almost generate a bit of anxiety yeah. within yourself. Like, I need to keep myself safe now no because I need just to... Just now you're responsible for somebody else and keeping them safe. You know? And a lot of, like, the work I do, I talk about the dads as well because a lot of this is always focused on mums and yeah. birth mums. You know, if you're a step-parent, if you're a foster, adoptive, a father, whatever it is, whatever change that is where you've brought a little person into your world, it impacts everybody, Mm. you know? And I do, I I work a lot talking about the dads because I think that the dads get kind of dismissed. Yeah, they get forgotten and it's unfair. They do. And I I often look back on, like, my own husband. You Mm. know, he had just become a new dad, super hands-on, so he was getting up through the night. Then he had to work. And that financial burden weighed a bit heavier on him yeah. because he was now the sole breadwinner. Bread he's responsible for everybody. So he was looking after me and Archie and the dog. Um, hmm. And then he was coming home from work and his wife was pretty broken some days. So after you brought baby Archie home, how long after you brought him home did Kevin have to leave and go back to Montenegro? And then how long after that did you follow him? So Kevin must have left like a week or two weeks after and then I followed. Archie was only like four weeks old when we flew. It okay. was like as soon as we wow. could. It was a fairly short period of time after giving we, birth. Like. I, we flew. My stepmom flew with us. Okay. She was there, so she flew with us um, to Montenegro. Because that's a big deal, getting on a plane with a, a four-week-old baby. Aye. And feeling the way you were feeling. Yeah. But I don't know if at that point, because I was up and down, like mm, I was... Didn't quite know. I was all right. Because okay. I was like, we're going home and we're yeah. going to see your dad. So and when did it hit? Again, it wasn't consistent. So it would come and go. Okay. So when it did kick in, you know, and I was really tearful. And I think as well, like people used to say things like, you need to just calm down and don't stress because you're stressed. The baby's picking up on that. Yeah. And I know hey, that like, gee, that's, that's constructive. Helpful, Thank you. Right. But it would just compound mm. that I was screwing it up. You know, that my emotional state was going to impact him. So I had to stop it. 
I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't yeah. realise the elements that were in play and that actually it was because I needed to just cut myself a break. Yeah. Like when I look back now, if I, you know when we talk about if you could go back and speak mm. to yourself, I would go back and go, well, you calm down. Just cut yourself yeah. a break. You have got this. And were you being unnecessarily harsh on yourself Aye, at the absolutely. time? Yeah. Absolutely. But it seems yeah. it's quite common, I think, isn't it, in women? Yeah. women. That's and, why I like talking to people when they're yeah. pregnant. Yeah, what um, that I wasn't very good at it. That I, you know, I've got a thing about cleaning, right? I'm always cleaning and tidying. And like people would say, you need to calm down with that. And I'd be like, no, no, because I needed the environment to be. And actually, I think that's important because people will tell you to disregard that. And I don't think you should. I think you just need to figure out better ways of managing it. Mm. But Did it become slightly obsessive? To, aye, Because like it's a control. Got you. It's a control. If you can't control like, this, you're controlling yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, Archie was good. Like he fed well. There, there was nothing that was bad there, you know. But I think, like I said earlier, I think it was going actually back to my own internal voice that had been there before. I had obviously suppressed at different times in my life. And then becoming a mum, my expectation was that was going to heal me. I was and going to be it. completely happy. But I think that's such a massive expectation on yourself when you're not meeting your own human needs. Yeah. Because you then immerse into looking after his needs, which meant, and this is where it gets really simple, I wasn't listening to music that I like. Mm. I wasn't reading yeah. stuff that I liked. I wa- everything was about him, right? And that's a natural thing. But when you ignore your own needs, that spiral keeps going. And now when I look back, I think one of the biggest things was my growth, right? When we talk about our growth, I wasn't studying, I wasn't listening to podcasts that challenged me, educated me, entertained me even, you know? I just wasn't feeding those parts of myself anymore. I just didn't realise it. So you didn't know at the time? I just didn't know. You just forgot about them almost? I just didn't know how important they were. So what was rock bottom for you? Like, at what point? Um, There was, you know, I... I would say to Kevin, do you think I need to speak to somebody? Mm. And he's like this big, cool, calm guy. And he'd be like, no, no, you're getting better. Because as I say, it wasn't consistent. Yeah. And then one day he came home and I just lost my shit. And I was like, dude, if this was you, I would have dragged your ass to the doctors ages ago. Like I just, and I felt disconnected. I would feel kind of surreal. Like I was watching my life. I was doing all the things I needed to do, but I wasn't feeling that I was living in it. Yeah. And I wasn't experiencing the joy that I should have been experiencing. The other thing was that when you Google postpartum depression, right, one of the main symptoms that they will talk about is not connecting with your baby. Mm -hmm. Mm. I was the opposite. I felt, like I said earlier, if he cried, I felt upset. Like I felt this overwhelming love for him. So I kept thinking, well, it can't be that then because I I don't feel that I'm not connected to him, but I wasn't connected to myself. Mm. And that was the problem, you know. It wasn't that I wasn't connecting with my wee boy. I just had lost the connection with myself. You lost yourself. You know, and I needed to figure that out. And I spoke to, I had a good friend and it was her that said, listen, I know a counsellor in the UK, she'll do a Zoom call, maybe just try it. And that's when everything changed. And when you had that conversation, what happened? I felt like... I had just went on and blurted. And the I, floodgates I, came out open. I, and I felt like I made no sense. Yeah. You know, if I was to think about that conversation, I, th- I thought it was just gobbledygook. Yeah. But she f- sent me an email the next day and she had pinpointed all the parts that she had picked up on that were impacting me. 
So yeah. for her, it was simple. And that's what I do now. It's like I can sit in a room with mums and go, that, 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 that. I can pick up on it yeah. because you've got perspective. You know, but when it's you, you don't see the wood for the trees. Mm. You, you can't see anything. Right? You can't. No. Well, you were you were looking to Kevin. Like that, That's a bit that I found so intriguing. You go, the day that Kevin came home and you're a complete mess yeah. and you're like, dude, if it was you, I would have dragged yeah. you yeah. to see someone ages ago. And, and all I kept thinking in my head was, then why didn't you do that for yourself? Yeah. Because you don't, do you? No. Because no. you can't see it. Mm. You don't have that. So I guess I was looking for him to have that perspective. I was looking for him to To manage it it or something, yeah. Because I didn't know Mm. how to manage it. I didn't know where this was going to go. And I think when you kind of put your hand up and acknowledge it, it makes it real. I think there was a lot of... And, you know, being overseas, not having that proximity, I think if I had been at home, my besties and my mom Would have dragged you. They would have been on top of that but, but when did you we not were, speak to them I did but I was also putting a face on mm. because I didn't want to worry them Yeah, I did, and I didn't want them to judge me I didn't want them to think that I couldn't do this because that's what my voice was saying I was saying judgment is quite a big thing isn't it Cause, yeah because judgment is quite prevalent within within yeah. pregnancy and, and that's what we're hearing like self-judgment and fear of judgment has stopped so many women yeah. from reaching out yeah. and saying I'm not okay yeah like also, judgment in society. But but that's what yeah. I mean. Like it's it's just it's sad that so many women suffered in silence and yeah. on their own yeah. um, because of judgment. And it's yeah, that's why that's why we're so happy to be talking about yeah. this topic and putting it out there because and it is and it's that like turning point. You know, when I spoke to that counsellor, what actually happened there was I had a safe space mm. to get it out, mm. and I think we minimise how important that is in a recovery or a healing process is just having a safe space Mm. where no one's going to judge you. You're not going to worry them. You're not going Mm. to burden them because it is, it's a double-edged sword. It's, you know, the judgment thing or the advice. Family and friends, we all want to give advice and opinions. But, you know, when you go into an environment where it's like, okay, this is a time where you can say whatever you want. Yeah. You're free from judgment. Family and friends, even if they don't judge, they have their own opinion. Of course. It's really objective Right? So when you you sit with a life coach, because I've gone through the process as well, got the situation, the whole thing is, as as coaches, is you're not there to tell them what to do. You're there to hold space for them. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that makes all the difference. And I was yeah. the same as you. Like I, uh, when when I went to do the surgery, I'm like, oh, this is all like just fluffy, duffy bullshit. And one, once it went through the fundamentals, I'm like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I get it. Yeah. Now I get it. There is, but I also don't like that life coachy, fluffy wording of it. I, I, it's not that. No, and I think, and I, I do. I understand the stigma that goes mm. with, you know. there's two again two sides to this like sometimes I get pissed off as well Mm. though when people are like oh have you got a hustle oh everyone's a coach and I'm like do you know what I could go and make money tomorrow cutting Mm. hair in Dubai in a heartbeat right I've spent the last two years Mm. building this business Mm. and continue to do so because what I do is fucking important yeah Yeah. and And also because you've gone through that journey see when someone says oh hustle oh you're a life coach I'm like you have no idea the impact that someone can have on another Mm. person's life and how valuable that is yeah because that was for me it was Mm. a life coach after speaking to the counsellor a life coach friend of mine was holding a retreat Mm. and it was like 10 minutes from our house so Kevin was like go and then if you need to come back for the baby we're 10 minutes it's fine you know so I did Again, that safe space and 
that completely changed my life. Yeah. yeah. You know, on a personal level. And that's how it started. It started, it was to help me. It was to support me. But after starting that kind of journey, I went home to Kevin. I'd been out walking. Um, I always walked the same way in Tiva mm. and Montenegro. It's like you go round the harbour and it's on the water and the mountains are there. It's absolutely beautiful. And I remember sitting down and just remembering to breathe. And I was like, I'm going to be all right. And Archie was sleeping in his buggy and I'm like, we're all right. I've got this. And I thought, I can't walk away from this. 18 months, uh, times where it was bloody hell. And I went home and I said to Kevin, I want to do something with this. I want to help other people. I can't be the only person. And yeah. I think I'm quite a strong character yeah. and strong personality. So if I was in that state, there must be people out there who Ten are really I struggling yeah. and need to do something. And that's when we started. When you said you were at the lake and after 18 months, you told yourself you got this. Was yeah. that the first time when you really authentically felt you had I really it? felt, I think I had hope. I don't know that I, I had everything, but I had hope, I had light again where I was yeah. like, we're going to be all right. That kind of darkness had just shifted. You know, and it's not to say that it's not come back. I still have times, even now, but I have a different way of honouring those times. I think we need to stop resisting and putting emotions into brackets. Mm. These are positive, these are negative. No, they're not. They're mm. not. They're all, we're human beings, mm. you know, and we experience a range of emotions and it's how we navigate them. It's yeah. how we address them. Stop resisting them and trying to make them go away. That's not healthy either. Yeah. Mm. And that's when I get upset with the, the coaching world where they make claims that they can find solutions to your problem and they can remove your problem. No, they can't. They well, can the problem never goes hand. away. Yeah, but that, that... They can hold your hand and guide you, yeah. but don't make claims that you can change somebody's life. It's up to them yeah. to change their life. But, yeah. but you know, even that narrative is negative. Yeah. You know, you're already saying you have a problem. It's yeah. like it's life. Yes. It is. Yeah. This is life. Yeah. Life's going to have yeah. ups and downs. Life's going to have... And it's a journey. It's a journey. Yeah. So it's not a problem. It's not linear. It and doesn't these, start and finish. Exactly. The parts that are tough, like I now understand, are the bits that build resilience in yeah. us and make us fight mm. harder at times mm. and find that inner strength that we talk about. Like that's because we mm. have to experience the shit mm. bits to be able to do that. And now I play things completely differently. So it's not that I don't have days and that that inner voice doesn't raise our head sometimes. But what do you say to her when she rocks up? Let's get ice cream. <laughs> you have to play with it. <laughs> like, you know, and I do because having, you know, the last two years building this as a business, it's obviously really heartfelt for me. It's, mm. it's part of my life now. So it's like this journey that I'm on. So it's still personal for mm. me and it's the business side well, of it's it. A, it's a great opportunity for that saboteur voice to really have a field yeah. day with you, right? And being in this demographic as well, Dubai mm. is a massive mm. hustle. Yeah. There's an energy here and there's so many people here that are mm. like, you know, I don't know, the business world is crazy. So it's brilliant. It can elevate you and give you leverage. But if you allow your inner voice to come in, it can really kind of bring you down too, you know. I'm going to ask a slightly maybe random question, but it actually makes sense. So you had those kind of feelings, or not kind of, you had those feelings once you'd given birth that, you know, you were not good enough, you couldn't do this, that, you know, nothing you could do was was good. Yeah. Do you have similar feelings or did you have similar feelings when you started your business? Absolutely. Because it was your new baby. Your new baby, yeah. 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 And still do. Still have times. But then... You know, I check back in with myself. And I think that's something that we all need to do is that often we'll look at our circumstances and look at what we've not yet achieved mm. and what we've not yet done. You know, because I've got plans yeah. going around in my head all the time. But look at what you've done. 
but we forget to look at what yeah. we have achieved and what we have done. Even this, like sitting talking to you guys on, you know, recording my voice two years ago, I sat in the stairwell in our house with my laptop going to make my first kind of video. Because I'm good at talking to people. I could go into a bar or sit in a restaurant or whatever. I'm sociable. But recording my voice or yeah. standing on a stage or any of that kind of public speaking part wasn't something I was comfortable with. And I sat in the stairwell with my laptop. I made Kevin take Archie out into the car because I didn't want him to hear me. Mm. And I was recording, deleting, recording, deleting. Yeah. Like it was a nightmare. But then I realised that my message, what I want to do with this, was way, way more important than my fear. So I just yeah. had to address that fear. And I started building that muscle and recording myself talking or videos. And then it was stages and microphones and whatever. And when I do that reflection, I'm like, no, I'm doing something with this. This mm. is important. And when I get the messages from people who say, Nikki, you were a wee light in a dark time. And, you know, that's someone that maybe I spoke to once a year ago. Yeah. And I get these wee messages and they're the fuel that keep yeah. me going. It's like change going. You've, you've made. Yeah. That impact. And that's all it is. It's so simple. And that was what it was for me. I just needed somebody to help me turn my head from there to there. Yeah. You know, it's we talk about golf, right? It's like if you keep missing the fairway, you don't do like a 360 turn, a 180 turn. You adjust. Like, yeah. And all of a sudden your shot's different. And that is what it's like with your headspace as well. We we look for big groundbreaking, mm. whatever. Just yeah. deal Slight with simple stuff in your focus. Mm -hmm. It's funny because, oddly, I was having the same debate and conversation with my personal trainer the other day. I'm just like, but you need to, the thing is, you need to, are you going to let your fear get in the way of what you want? And I go, yeah. and sometimes you just need to be able to separate the two, the two things. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, what do you, I go, he's like, oh, you know, like I used to be an incredibly shy person. And the way I got over things is because it's the work, you know, yeah. so because it's the work, it's not about me, it's the work. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I go, no, it was literally that simple. I go, yeah. one day, I took my focus from here to here, and it all changed. Yeah. Change that slight And then you start building that muscle. Like, once you start exactly. on that path, then you can develop that skill. Yeah. And again... It's a choice. It's about our expectations mm. of yeah. ourselves. Like, are we going into this expecting mm. to be Oprah? Or, yeah. or are you just going out to share a message? Yeah. And if one person is impacted and gets help, then we're doing something it. that's pretty cool, right? But it's choices. When you realize it's choices. Yeah. Your decisions. You have more, you know, it's your, there's a lot more control there and there's a lot yeah. more light there. It's like, what am I choosing today? Yeah. It's not life is no longer happening to me. I'm happening to life. Yes. Yeah. And there's so many elements that help you with that. Mm. Like I had this transition that I wasn't massively aware of at the time, right? But I used to, like listen to Damien Rice and quite mm. kind of child music. I used to read, I called them domestic thrillers, mm -hmm. you know, somebody murdered somebody next door, okay. right? And watch like car crash TV, you know, mm. it was always, I always went to the darker. And then one day I had started all of this kind of journey and helping myself and reading and what have you and studying. And I went to put on music and I think I must have went for something like Damien and I was like, oh, sweet Marie, that would, and I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. Mm. And now, like, I've got a playlist that is purely, you know, to elevate my mood, to yeah. make me feel a bit better. And I've put it on my Instagram to share with people because I always talk about the power of music. Yeah, mm. it's true. And I was like, I'm talking about this, but I'm not sharing it. So I've shared it. And one of my ex-school friends from, like, 30-odd years ago sent me a message. And she went, I've been playing it in the car. 
And her 13-year-old daughter was like, Mom, what's that playlist? That's really good. <laughs> mm. Yes. There you go. You got Winning. it. Winning. So cool. So <laughs> We're going to wrap up. Yeah. What's next, Nikki? I just want to keep going with this. I just want to get it out to normalise these conversations because yep. that's all it is, you know, is normalising it and that it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be the, the dark, dark, massively depressed. It's just about navigating a wee yeah. change in your life. So when people say to me, oh, could I speak to you because it's been six months? I'm like, I don't give a shit if it's like day one or, you know, your kid's 10. If mm. you feel you need a bit of support, phone me. Yeah. yeah you know, let's have a consultation. Let's chat and see if I'm the person that can help you. And if I'm not, now I've got an arsenal of people that I know yeah, that I can network. signpost. Mm. Yeah. But the heart of it is all the same. It's like, we just all need to back each other up. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. I think that's a really nice way that's to end it. great way to end it. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. It was <laughs> a very beautiful conversation. Thank, thank you for, so for sharing that with us. Thank you for listening to Rooted Within. If you like this episode, please make sure you drop a follow so you never miss an episode in the future. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. <laughs>